Hi everybody, I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing and this is Exhibit A Attorneys where we interview lawyers and other experts across the country to share what it really takes to be Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Joining me today is Moshe Amsel. Moshe is the host of the Profit with Law podcast and the Law Firm Growth Summit. He helps law firm owners grow their practice with a focus on creating generational wealth. It's an important focal point for him because of his own experience as a recipient of generational wealth and how that positively impacted his life. Moshe's grandfather came here from Nazi Germany with nothing when he was 11 years old and through success in business and good real estate investments created substantial wealth. He used that wealth for not only many philanthropic activities to make the world a better place, but also provided the down payment for the first home purchase for each of his 36 grandkids. Moshe's experience as a recipient of that kind of help was so positive that he decided his entire focus would be helping others do the same. As a married, loving husband and father of five kids, ranging from 21 to three years old, he's very familiar with the struggles of running a successful business and still prioritizing his family. And I will give a personal shout out. He and I have shared many phone calls at random hours with our children screaming probably to each other through the phone. So he is dead on in uh, prioritizing family. It's wonderful to see. Moshe has 20 years experience in the IT industry as a business executive and extensive experience in sales and marketing, having closed over $30 million in sales in just one year. He currently owns an accounting practice, Dream Builder Financial, where he helps clients with business advisory and tax strategy services. Thank you so much for being with us, Moshe. Jordan, thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure to join you on this show and hopefully help some people uh, in some way. Something that we say today hopefully is going to change somebody's life. Definitely. So uh, right before we get into picking your brain, I want to do the shout out to our last episode that aired last Thursday with Darren Heitner, who talked to us about starting a practice and getting into sports law. And so today, Moshe, we're going to talk about some of those tips for generational wealth. And I know we're going to talk about the Law Firm Growth Summit because that is coming up in just under a month. Yeah, it's actually just three weeks from tomorrow. So we're super excited about it. Uh, really, really pumped that we've been working on it for um, over six months, closer to nine months in, in uh, making this a reality. Uh, you know, I, I don't wanna spend too much time on the summit, but just real quick, uh, 2019, we hosted the first virtual conference before that was cool, um, you know, pre-COVID. Uh, and we had over 2,300 law firm owners attend, and we got a ton of really, really good feedback from it. We got uh, insight into what people want, what we should do again, what we should abandon, uh, and we're gearing up for the next event. And we bring in top talent. We bring in people um, like yourself uh, as speakers, but whoa, we've whoa, got- you said top uh, talent, and then you mentioned me, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, the people tuning into the show are coming in for a reason. So, you know, maybe you're not the reason, maybe it's always the guest, but uh, chances are they like you in some way, shape or form. Uh, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, have their little microcosm of influence uh, and really smart people that, that have smart things to share. And what I do is I try to bring them all into a room uh, to be able to share that collectively with the, the legal community. Uh, it was, and it was a really exciting trip the last time. This time our biggest challenge is really figuring out what people need right now. There's been so many virtual events. What are you sick of? And what are you lacking? And what's, you know, you know, what didn't they provide? 
And that's what we're trying to do in this event. So we've chosen a technology platform that will allow for true networking to happen. You literally can see other people that are attending and go on a video call with them right from within the, the event. Uh, you know, we have a, a speed networking feature. So we're going to have a networking session where we just pair people together randomly. So you don't have to be like in that big networking mixer where you're the one sitting in the corner hoping that somebody might come and say hello to you because you're not going to go say hello to them. Uh, you know, we, we've solved that problem. And then the content, uh, you know, right now, the biggest thing that we, that people need to hear is what what's next. Like, how do we, how do we go from here? You know, legal has changed so much over the last year. Um, you know, what, what do I do to make my firm be the front runner, be the, the thing that's going to be successful, not just tomorrow, but next year and the year after, um, you know, and then the last thing is people don't want to leave with a to-do list a mile long, having taken in a ton of information and then they're never going to get to that. So, uh, we're doing a ton of hands-on workshops so that when you leave, you're leaving with stuff already created, already set, or the work already done so that you can just hit play when you get back. Um, and we're trying to take all those pieces, put them, marry them all together and create this unforgettable experience for three days, February 9th to 11th. So, and I know you guys, we're talking marketing, we're talking sales, we're talking team building, we're talking financials. I mean, this is going to cover a lot of different potential problems that law firm owners, oh, and uh, automation. So covering quite yep. a bit of things that law firm owners, problems that they're going to have. Absolutely. And and in each of those areas, the focal point is you've always had to deal with this, right? A business owner always has to deal with those five cores that you just mentioned. But how do we look at where legal has been and where it's going and understand where to put our efforts moving forward? You know, just take one example, you know, marketing or automation. You know, we always knew that that automating in our firm was important, right? But how important is it now when you might be running virtually at the drop of a, of a hat, even when you want to be a physical in-person office, um, but you, out of, by no control of your own, you now need to run virtually. Um, you know, so it's not just, oh, do I have the technology infrastructure to support that? But how do I start automating pieces of the work that we do so that we're less reliant on the human resources who may be less available? Um, and, you know, and then the, the, that, that translates into the business model. Right. Like uh, if you're billing hourly and you're automating stuff that you're doing, you're essentially hurting yourself. So you have to start looking at the business model and saying, how do I take advantage of these efficiencies and pass that to the client? Because I'm still providing the same amount of value. So I should still charge for that. But it's not necessarily tied to my own hours anymore. Now it's tied to the technology we put in, which is a lot of work up front. But then it runs and it's just the, the licensing fees or whatever for the technology. So how do you turn that into the business model to fit in the legal practice where you can you can charge for what you're worth and for the value you're providing, but it's not necessarily tied to the actual sweat equity that you're doing. So and I love the concept of the breakout groups because I know like we're going to walk people through, you know, their intake drip to follow up with leads. Um, I know we've got some amazing other speakers doing some really cool things, but I just, I've never been to a conference where I left with a to-done list. You know, you always leave with a to-do list, but it's amazing that we're going to leave with the to-done list for a lot of these things. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think right now, the biggest challenge for me as the host is to find a way to communicate that with the community so that people, their interest level rises. Right. Um, and that's the hardest thing. And that's why this, you know, doing the circuit of, 
podcast guesting and being a, a guest on your show um, is really important because it gives us an opportunity to have a conversation around it rather than just a bunch of sh shiny marketing materials to really help people understand what they're, you know, what they'll be getting by clearing their schedule for three days. I, I don't think people care about the fact that it's going to cost them 97 bucks or whatever to join, but you got you to gotta spend three days with us. And um, a lot of people feel like they can't do that and they, they need to understand the value and, and feel like, you know, the value is really there. And what we did is we just added to the, the sales page where it talks about the event. We just added a, a, a sum of the agenda there so that you can see the kind of topics that are going to be covered, the session titles and stuff like that, and who's going to be presenting them. Uh, so you can really start to understand and, and, and picture, you know, how you would participate in this event. Uh, and if you can't be there, then you, you just need to upgrade to the VIP level so you get access to all the recordings. There we go. And then from our perspective, I know um, we're going to drop a link for ours and anybody who goes in through our links also going to get our Lawyer Marketing 101 course that we put out. So somehow we're going to give you a $99 course for $97 and also throw in the, uh, the, three -day, the ticket to the three-day presentation here. Yeah. Um, and uh, we... So I, I don't know what your, we have a, like a custom link for you and I, I don't know what it is, but we'll throw it out here for people who are watching live. This is probably not live yet. We're just going to give you a law firm growth summit.com forward slash legalese. But honestly, if you didn't use that link and you want to get that free course, all you got to do is email Jordan and his team, just comment in this, you know, on this, on this live and just say, Hey, I got a ticket from this live, you know, this live broadcast. We'll make sure on the back end that we get you that that free course um, and and get you the access to that. Um, but we're going to do lawfirmgrowthsummit.com forward slash legalese. Um, and if it's the, if that's not live um, at the time that you're putting it in, just go to the plain lawfirmgrowthsummit.com, buy your ticket, and send an email uh, to us or to Jordan. Our our support email address is right on the Law Firm Growth Summit page. Um, you can just go down to the bottom to the contact you know the contact section and the FAQs. So the only thing that we're going to be missing, you're not going to drop ship stale bagels and old coffee to everybody. Other than that, I think we've got this down. Actually, if you get the VIP level, you're going to get a swag box in the mail. And you just gave me a great idea to package bagels in there oh, so that it's nice and stale when they get it. <laughs> hey, I mean, you're, you're in New York, man. So as a, uh, as a former South Floridian, now Central Floridian, I would pay a lot of money for a good well, that's the definition. Good. Can it still be good by the time it gets there? I think I think we'll save that for when I get on a plane and fly down to you. I'll bring you a bag of bagels. Perfect. All right. So I want to talk about generational wealth. I mean, I love this as a concept because I think so many lawyers focus on creating a firm that gives them a job rather than a firm that gives them a career, rather than a firm that becomes an asset, rather than a firm that gives them that generational wealth from it. So, you know, walk me through a little bit of your origin story as it relates to Dream Builder Financial here. Absolutely. So um, I always, I mean, when I, when I, I, I got a, a really early start on life. I mean, if you're looking at the camera, you know that I'm, I'm not a day older than 21 and I have a 21 year old myself. So um, I, the truth is, is that I got married at 19 and I had my daughter when I was 19 years old. And by going through life that way, I have always worked out of necessity. I always got my promotions or, or, or my big wins because I had something that I needed to pay for in order to do that. Um, and it isn't until you start to live from a different paradigm of recognizing that there is a greater good that you want to do, that it opens the possibility for you to 
really expound on what is possible within your firm, within your business. And the truth is, is that business owners in general, and, and we're talking to law firm owners, you're a business owner, right? So um, law owners have an uncapped potential of income. It doesn't feel that way when you're a solo, when you're just starting out, because it's tied to your time. And if you're not, if you're doing billable hours, you're not selling. And if you're, if you're selling, then you're not billing. So you're kind of in this, in this catch 22 where you're constantly at odds with yourself. It's the schizophrenic relationship where which hat am I wearing and if, whichever one I'm wearing, I'm hurting the other one. And I, it's, and being able to navigate that is a big challenge. But the reality is, is that true, um, cash flow being thrown off from your business to the point where you can create generational wealth happens when you untap the potential of having a team. If you, if, if you try to, to have everything be on your shoulders, you're the bottleneck, even if you're hiring people saying, oh, I'm hiring people. But if you still are the one that needs to make all those decisions that everyone needs to go through you, you need to be the one to sign off on everything. You're never going to unlock the true potential of your business. And that's where, I mean, we can create generational wealth without being a business owner through being very, very frugal and being really careful with where we invest our money. Um, but business owners have this unique ability to be able to throw off a half million dollars in a year. And you do that for a couple of years and, and then take some of that money and invest it wisely. And all of a sudden you create this nest egg that just grows. And what, by the time that you're ready to leave this world, you've got this massive opportunity for whoever it is that you want to leave it for. It doesn't have to be your kids or your grandkids. If that's not your thing, it could be for a cause or, or a mission that you, that you believe in and you can leave it there. Um, but when you're, you're building your wealth for somebody else as a product, you're going to be taken care of, right? You're, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to go without um, some of the trimmings in life that you want. If you're, if you have enough to save for other people. So it's kind of like this, if I aim, it, uh, one of these things with goal settings that I do with my coaching clients and with myself is I always set three goals. And one of them is a really, really far reach. It's not impossible, but it's like really, really out there. For example, at this, um, the upcoming summit, one, our, our hairy, scary goal is 7,500 attendees to this event. Now, will we hit 7,500? knows i'm not going to say no but i can tell you three weeks before the event it's highly unlikely we're going to hit 7500 but if i didn't aim for 7500 it would be almost impossible that i'd get 2000 people to the door right but if because i'm aiming for that upper number because i'm aiming for that big hairy scary goal the chances of me hitting the the the, the lower goal which is my bare minimum i want to hit is very very possible because i've set myself up to be successful at that higher at that higher amount. So it, it's kind of the same thing. If you're, if you see your business being able to produce a larger benefit than just paying my bills, it's going to elevate what you do. It's going to elevate how you act in your business. And that as a result is going to produce at a bare minimum, what you really need. So I'm going to make an assumption for a minute and correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm going to assume that a lot of the people coming to you, and a lot of people coming to us are going to have that similar problem. I don't think that we're getting that many attorneys that are, you know, completely don't get it making nothing. I think most of what we're seeing is those attorneys that are generating enough to have some disposable income, but not so much 
to automatically know how to spend it, to know where to put it, to know who to hire, to know how to expand. I mean, is that correct? Am I correct in that? Yeah, probably. I, 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 I imagine that somebody who's uber, uber successful wouldn't see the need to go to a law firm growth summit or to attend one of these live interviews. Um, and I, I don't know that I would rule out somebody who's just starting out, who hasn't figured that out. I think that we, you know, we definitely cater to, to that rung of the ladder, but yeah, our sweet spot where we, you know, who we're, who we're targeting and who we want to be talking to is the successful attorney who's built a, a impressive practice for themselves and maybe even brought on a team, but they're faced with challenges. They're trying to figure out how to navigate this in a way that they can get more out of it. One of the keynote speakers that I have at the event is Mike Michalowicz, and I am a huge fan of Mike Michalowicz. Um, first of all, he's a great person who's very funny, but you know he's got his book, Profit First, which you know I keep on the shelf behind me. I'm a Profit First professional. It's one of the first things that I did um, when I started my accounting practice was to align myself with his brand to differentiate who I am from other accountants. Um, and in his um, Profit First methodology, he goes through what he believes is a healthy business, and he demonstrates um, that most business owners, they pay themselves last, and they essentially spend most of the money in the business on things that are probably not important, and had the money not been available, they wouldn't have made those expenditures. They also do a very poor job of saving money to pay taxes at the end of the year. So business owners get caught in this conundrum where all of a sudden they're doing their tax return and they've got this forty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar tax bill they have to pay, and they spend the first two, three months of the of the year or more paying the bill from the last year because they didn't pay it properly or or save for it properly throughout the year. Um, and then on top of that, because they're paying themselves last, how much is left at the end of the day? It usually amounts to no more than a paycheck, sometimes even less than that. I, I mean, it's it's embarrassing for, for the people who have come to me as, as clients on the accounting side to have come to me in this position, but I've had multi-million dollar law firms where the owner was not getting paid, where they were operating at a, a slight loss or, or you know, maybe taking home 50,000, you know, less than $100,000 a year in pay. Like, what what are you doing it for, right? And it, this is not me judging, right? This is This is just, me highlighting the problem, the, the entire reason why I stuck my stake in the ground with the legal industry is because I attracted five law firms as clients and all five of them in, in, in early on in, in, my, my, in, in the accounting practice, I, um, those five clients, all five of them had the same thing happening. They had beautiful offices, they had nice staff, they had business coming through the door, and yet the owners were transferring personal funds to make payroll every two weeks. So that to me was an indication that there is a lack of understanding in, in the industry as to how to manage your cash in a way that makes you a successful business owner, not necessarily having a successful practice. There's two different things, right? Um, and the successful practice might be judged by your Google reviews and how many attorneys you have and how beautiful your office is when somebody walks in or how gorgeous a video that you paid $20,000 for you have on your website. But a true successful business is one where the owner is taking home, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and is able to have their second vacation home and is able to have a fully funded retirement account and is able to now be thinking about, oh, you know, what's next and, and how am I, who, you know, how am I going to have a legacy that I'm going to leave 
for for my children, my grandchildren, or for the world at large. Um, but all of that begins with understanding that the business is there not to make a paycheck, but to have these bigger things. Um, and it's really a, a matter of opening your mind to the possibility and then figuring out, okay, how do I do this? Uh, going back, circling back real quick before you ask any questions to Mike Michalowicz, um, he's going to be talking about Profit First. Profit First is a very simple cash management system for business owners where all you're doing is you're creating multiple bank accounts so that the account you're making your business decisions from has your predetermined operating expenses already in it. So you've already paid yourself and you've already taken your profit and you've already put aside the tax before you make your business decision. And it's a beautiful system. It works really well. It's not for everybody. Some people just can't wrap their head around it. They're just not open. Some people are like, oh, I'm not opening five bank accounts because look at all those bank fees I'm going to pay. You know, so they're not going to solve a $100,000 problem because it's going to cost them $60, $60 a month. You know, and, and that's, I can't help people like that. But the people that I can help are the ones that are going to hear Mike speak and are going to walk away from it saying, wow, I now understand why it's been five years into my business, 10 years into my business, and I've got practically nothing to show for it. So I am now going to embrace this new idea, and I'm going to try something new and see if it works for me. And it works. And, and that's the thing is I think it's such a smart point to separate those two things, like the, the biz, your business looking successful and your business being financially successful. Because I think, you know, we, we as lawyers kind of get drawn into that, I want to say Instagram culture. That's probably not the right word. But, you know, we want to have the fancy office in the penthouse at the downtown location, whatever. And that may not be what we actually need. And that may be what keeps us from having a viable business. Law had this problem before Instagram existed. I think that in, in, for, for some reason in law, more than in any other profession, there's this need to, to look good to colleagues, not just to clients, not just to the world at large. Um, it's almost like there's, and I think it might be created in law school and the internships and then in the first jobs that, you hold, that we hold um, yeah. is that, there's this this almost this this thing or this halo around it that in order to be a successful lawyer you have to look a certain way you have to dress a certain way you know if you're not if you don't fit that mold then you're not successful um, and nobody's looking at at you know at anybody's bank accounts but you're coming from a world where the only people who are really successful in, in, in these large law firms are the partners, right? The, the, it's up until that le partner level, you're getting paid, but you have to work your butt off to be able to get there. And it's not like you have earnings potential that's unlimited, right? You, you get your paycheck. Even if that paycheck is a decent paycheck, that's it, right? There's nowhere to go from there. And until you, you hit that partner level, none of that is possible. So most law firm owners have left before they became a partner. So you never got to experience that part of the business. So now you're left to kind of figure it out on your own. So you're mimicking the model that you saw, which was at your level in the law firm. And that's that's really where I think the challenge begins. Although this problem is not exclusive to law. It just happens to be rampant there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So from the law firm owner perspective, I mean, look, I think it's obvious. If you are not making payroll, if you're making GAFA pro contributions yourself, you know that you've, you've gone too far.
but I want to back up from that a little bit. Like, what are some of those red flags? What's the beginning of that slippery slope? What are some of those early mistakes you see law firm owners making that they can just, you know, avoid now and try to prevent from getting to that point? Um, this is a very good question because there's there's a number of things, and some of them are, are signs of results, and some of them are signs before you even look at results, right? One of the first indicators that you probably don't have a good handle on it, you probably haven't, you probably have a problem, is if you're not on top of your bookkeeping and you don't understand how to read your profit and loss statement, right? Um, and what what happens is is that um, the if you don't know if you don't know how bad things are, then you just assume things are okay because you're looking at other indicators. So what are those indicators? Do I have staff? Do I have business coming in? Am I billing my clients? Am I able to solve the next emergency by just getting on top of some open invoices and having some money come in, right? And when, we're, when that's how we're gauging our success, that's the first problem, right? So the first thing is, is make sure that you, that you know how to read your profit and loss statement, that you know how to be able to tell whether your business is doing okay, and then you look at that data, right? So the first step is, is if you don't have a bookkeeper and you don't have your finances up to date monthly so that you can view it every month and know how you're doing, that's the first step. And that's the first mistake if you're not doing that. From there, then we can start looking at the data and saying, okay, how am I doing? And um, depending on how you pay yourself, depending on your legal entity of your of your uh, of your uh, business and and your tax entity of your business, you might be getting a paycheck on payroll. You might just be getting money. You're taking money out of the business, and that's where it gets confusing, right? Because oh, I pay myself five thousand dollars every two weeks. It's good. I'm getting sixty thousand dollars a year. But after a week after I paid myself five thousand dollars, I'm also writing a ten thousand dollar check to the company in order to cover payroll. And I don't, I don't make that connection that oh, I just loan, I just, I just loan the money or I invest in the in the company five thousand dollars because I took five thousand and gave ten back, right? So we play these mind games and ignore ignore the real problem. So you got to look at your your profit and loss statement and look at how profitable am I? And if you're paying yourself on salary, add that back in, right? Look at your profit as as one collective thing, but from there, you know how much of that is going to tax. You know, you got to figure that somewhere between 30 to 50 percent of profit is going to tax, um, and people are. I don't know, it's not. Yes, 15.3 percent to self-employment tax or FICA tax. Um, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 percent, probably, depending on what tax bracket you're in, is going to income tax. And then if you're in a state that that has income tax, then you've got that on top of it. So I'm in New York State. You're going to be at 8 percent. New Jersey, you're going to be at 6 percent at the lower end, 8 percent at the higher end. You know, you look at the different states that you're in. Um, and if you're in a no tax state, great, you're, you, you got a leg up on the rest of us, but 15, 25, that's 40 plus another five, that's 45%, 45% of every profit that every dollar of profit I make has to go to the tax man. So when I look at my P and L and I say, oh, I made a hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah, I can't write myself a check for a hundred thousand dollars because 45 of it has to go to the government. So now I got 55,000 left that I can write a check for myself. Um, so no, understanding your numbers and understanding where the money goes 
is is the second step. And really the easiest way to do this is I'll go back to the book profit first because he's got a nice table in there with percentages in it. And people will argue with the percentages, but if you fudge the numbers 5%, that's fine. What most law firm owners will find when they do the exercise is instead of operating expenses being 30% or 40% of, 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 your, of your top line revenue, their operating expenses will be 90%. So yeah, you don't have to worry about saving tax when you're at that point because you're not making any money, so you have no tax to pay, right? Um, if you're pay spending 90% of your of your revenue on expenses, that's a broken business model. So even if you don't agree with the exact percentages he provides, if you're off by more than double what you know what he's what he's laying out in there, you've got a problem. So step one, be organized, know your numbers. Step two, understand what those numbers mean. Step three, put them into some sort of box where you can easily identify, is this good or bad? And that's and once you've got those three things, you're well on your way because what's going to happen is, is you suddenly realize that you're in a bad situation, and now you've got to figure out how to fix it. And there's two ways to fix it, right? Well, three ways. One is you fix your behavior, right? You change your, your process so that you can start to do a better job at this management thing. The second thing is, you either decrease your expenses or increase your revenue or a combination of both. And it's not something you're going to fix overnight. It's going to take you a year to two years to fix a broken, you know, a, a broken problem. Um, you know, you got a hole in the ship, you got to patch it. New holes going to spring a leak and, you know, things are going to happen. It's going to take some time before you could be on your way again with, you know, the vehicle that's actually working and is efficient. Um, but it's doable. And I think that, we can collectively, we can work together to fix this. Yeah, and to, you know, the one thing that I want to add to that, though, is I think your analogy is great about the hole in the ship. The problem that I find most lawyers make is they put duct tape over that hole, and then three months later, the duct tape launches off, it just, the water comes back, and they put duct tape over the hole again, and then three months later, it happens again. So, you know, I think one of the things that we should all focus on is not just triaging the current problem but preventing it from coming back again as a problem hopefully forever right i i agree and i and i think that that is the difference between you know fixing the symptom versus finding the, the root of the issue and fixing that um and that's why i went to the places that i went and identifying you know how do you know that you have a problem and how do you fix it um because if you're only talking about the symptom Business owners do that all the time, right? You're, they're already putting duct tape on the holes because every morning when they wake up, they're logging into the bank and they're saying, oh, how am I doing? Oh, we're really short. How many checks do we have outstanding? Oh, crap. We need to put $5,000 in the bank immediately. Let me see if I have a place to move it from. Oh, I don't. Come in the office. Hey, Mary Jane, you got to call these, this client, this client, this client, this client. We need their invoice paid today. You know, that's that's what's happening behind the scenes, right? That That's what the typical owner is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and a good day is one where you wake up and, oh, somebody paid their bill yesterday. Look at all this money in the bank account. Then they walk into the office and they're like, okay, we've got all this money. What were those things we were waiting to do? Let's hire this marketing guy. Let's do this. Let's, you know, let's, uh, uh, you know, let's get some new furniture for, for this office. Let's order some new technology. And all of a sudden, oh, it's all gone. Oh, I got to make payroll tomorrow. Crap, we're out of money. Oh, let's call these clients. Let's get the, you know, let's get some money in the door. And it's this revolving cycle. But all that's doing is tape on, tape off, tape on, tape off, tape on, tape off. 
you're not you're not fixing the underlying issue and the underlying issue stems from the behavior but the behavior stems from a lack of awareness and knowledge of understanding that there's a better way to do it all right so i want to change gears for a little bit as we start getting towards the end of this um, I know one of the things that they added in the last round of something or other was the 100% deductibility for meals at restaurants. Is that, am I correct in that? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure for 2021 and 2022, instead of being 50% deductible for meals, they made it 100% as long as it's at a restaurant in an effort to try and stimulate that and also lower tax bills. Boy. Yeah, was that in this last this last stimulus thing that they did, the the one they just signed? Uh, so I, that was going to be my question. It was I think that's where it is. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I so I honestly don't know. I'll, I you know to be open and uh, and upfront and honest, um, I haven't torn into the most recent round of of stimulus. I, I learned a lesson, a very valuable lesson, the last time, um, and and the first when the CARES Act came out, there was a lot of confusion around it, um, and. The I was very quick to figure out to learn what they were, you know, w what the rules were, and to guide my clients. And by guiding my clients to act quickly and act early, it actually left them at a disadvantage because a lot of things were clarified later on that were different than the early interpretations. And I had clients that ended up with loans in, in excess of what they were going to be forgiven, that they wouldn't have borrowed otherwise. Um, I have clients who could have gotten more help, um, and they didn't get that help because they went too low. There are clients who spent money on staff. This was what it was intended to do. They spent money on staff they didn't need, and they could have, you know, they changed it from eight weeks to, to you know, to 24 weeks. Right. They could have gone for 24 weeks with less staff. Um, and instead they were, were paying staff less and instead they were in a rush to spend it all so that they don't lose it. Um, so it really, it really caught a lot of people, um, in bad places. And it was all because, uh, you know, I was, I was on top of things and, and guiding them now that this time around, I'm, I've, I've been taking a very, uh, a much more laid back attitude. I basically went to all my clients and I said, look, um, I'm not diving into the details yet. Let's wait until they give some guidance. And then let's wait for the next round of guidance. There's no rush. It's not like they're going to run out of money tomorrow. Um, and you know, let's let's see how this unfolds before we rush into it. Also, back in March when the CARES Act was passed, um, you know, people really didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring, and they, you know, they literally were scared for their lives of you know what's going to happen. At this point, most people have some business coming in. If not, they're if not doing better than before as far as the law firms go. Um, and many of them are not in the position where, where they feel like, oh, if I don't get this, you know, PPP tomorrow, or if I don't take advantage of this tax benefit right away, um, then I'm going to lose out. Uh, so with the summit coming up, I basically essentially took an, taken a step back and said, let's wait and let's just, you know, give it, give it a few weeks before, uh, before we dive into it. So uh, long, long winded answer to tell you, I don't know as an accountant, um, but I can tell you this, the meals um, deduction was taken away completely um, and it was brought back or it was it was talked about being brought back. So I don't know 50% or 100%, but the bottom line is, is if you're going to a restaurant in order to get a tax deduction, that's a problem, right? So this question should be, I've kept all my receipts. Now, when I go to my tax return, you know, how do I deal with it? Um, 
understand that when you spend an expense, you're saving that 50 cents of taxes on the dollar you spent, but the other 50 cents is coming out of your pocket. And one of the things that accountants tend to do is they tend to encourage their clients to increase their expenses, but they often tell them to spend money on things that they wouldn't have otherwise spent money on in order to increase their tax deduction. And to me, that is ludicrous, makes zero sense. I would rather take 50 cents home than nothing because I was doing it in the name of saving taxes. Um, so I'd rather pay 50 cents in taxes, take 50 cents home, than spend a dollar that I wasn't going to spend anyway and have nothing to show for it. Uh, so I, I think when it comes to any business expense, it's important to understand what they are. Uh, you know, the nice thing about being a business owner is you get to uh, basically categorize some things that might have otherwise been a personal expense that you were spending anyway, and now you can justify it being a business expense. Um, but to simply add expenses for the sake of decreasing your profitability to save your tax bill, um, not a good strategy. I, you know, I never thought about it that way, but that does make perfect sense. So, all right, um, I want to, as we get here towards the end, so our next show is going to be on Thursday, the 21st. Uh, we'll have Steve Preston, host of Be That Lawyer podcast. Steve is a, an expert in business development for lawyers. He's got a number of books and trainings that he does for that. This is very interesting because I think we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that you and I talked about today from the standpoint of when you're in that model making partner. Now a lot of firms have moved away from letting people be partner because they bill well. They want to move it to just partner because they can generate the business. So I know Steve has some insight on that. Um, but if people have been listening for the last, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, and they take nothing else from this, what's that one biggest piece of advice you want as many people to have? And then also let's make sure that we tell people about the law firm growth summit one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, I will say this in a joking way. Your, my number one piece of advice is join us February 9th to 11th of the Law Firm Growth Summit. Um, but I will we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but in, in all reality, as a business owner, uh, the one thing that I see is the biggest, we didn't talk about this at all today, but the one thing that I see is the biggest impediment to growth for a business owner is inaction. Um, we, we have ideas that we know are going to work. We, we have gut feelings of things that we need to do. Um, we get stuck in inaction because of fear of what happens if it doesn't work, um, because of fear of the unknown, because we're not sure if we're ready for that step. Um, and what happens is, is that we guarantee our, our, our failure or we guarantee the, the result of not succeeding um, in that thing by not taking action. So instead of being afraid that it might not work, we guarantee it doesn't work by not doing anything about it. So my number one tip for law firm owners is to keep taking action. Everything that we do in our business is an experiment. And the only way to get results from the experiment is to actually do the experiment. So just go out there and every day, just do something, do something different, something new. And if it works, great, keep doing it. If it doesn't work, then stop, reassess, and do the next thing. Um, but just don't be afraid to just keep trying things. Because if you look at the successful law firm owners, you look at the people who, who have made it, who, you know, who are doing well, and you listen to their stories, it always comes back to the fact that they just went out there and they hustled and they got it done. And that's what makes a successful business owner. Now, the Law Firm Growth Summit, we have over 30, close to 40 amazing speakers coming. We have um, some, some nice big names like Mike Michalowicz, who I mentioned. We have Kevin Harrington, the original shark um, on the show Shark Tank. We have David Neagle, um, 
uh, founder and owner of Life Is Now, a internationally known uh, business coach. Those are our keynote speakers. Um, we have a ton of really well-known um, speakers who are speaking on a myriad of topics uh, all around helping you grow your firm. Uh, we've got Neil Tyra, the Entrepreneur Podcast. We've got Jordan Ostroff, um, you know, host of this show. Um, we've got uh, Allison Williams, the law, law firm mentor. Uh, we've got Seth Price, the, the owner of Blue Shark and also Price Benowitz, um, a very uh, well-known firm in the DC area. Uh, and the list goes on. I mean, go to, if you go to the website, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com, you'll see uh, you know, a, a ton of speakers on there uh, and you'll recognize a bunch of them. We're really making this a different event where we want it to be not just something that you get value out of, but something you're entertained by, something that you are excited about, something that you want to be at. And I couldn't think of a better place for you to hang out for three days and, and really take your firm to the next level with. Um, join us February 9th to 11th. Jordan has been kind enough to say, hey, if you, uh, if you get the course, uh, if you get the course, if you get the, the tickets to the summit through, through my link, you're going to get free access to this course that we've created. And he's put together this 10-part um, you know, video series course um, that will really help you unlock and unleash the, the, the marketing giant within you. Um, and you can get access to that by just signing up for the event. So um, definitely if you, if you use um, his link or you, or you forget to use his link and you sign up for a ticket and, and you heard about it here, you heard about it th uh, through them, um, send us an email, uh, let us know, and we'll make sure that we get you that access to, uh, to that free course that he's bundling with it. Perfect. So Fabricio, if you will, I know you dropped the lawfirmgrowthsummit.com slash legalese here in the comments. You can do that one more time for people to instantly scroll back. I know video comments can get a little crazy on Facebook. Um, any other information you want to make sure that you share, Moshe? Nope. That's about it. I'm really excited. Maybe follow me on Clubhouse. I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff there, too. There we go. Yeah, Clubhouse. Uh, at Profit with Law. Profit with Law. Perfect. Yeah, Clubhouse is my new favorite thing. It's like AOL Instant Messenger just with lawyers instead of text. Brings back some great memories. Yeah, it, 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 we can get into the whole conversation about that. It's pretty addicting. But uh, if you're wondering what the heck is Clubhouse or if you're on Clubhouse and you want to know how to take advantage of it as a lawyer, I did a, a, a Profit With Law podcast episode on it. So go check out the Profit With Law podcast. Just go back a few episodes. I think it was two weeks ago that I released it. Um, and I talked about how an attorney, a law firm owner can use Clubhouse to get clients. Um, and it, it, it should be a, a, a great episode for you to listen to. Fantastic. I'm actually going to go check that out myself because I've been thoroughly enjoying Clubhouse and I'm curious to see other people's thoughts. But anyway, with that, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.